what company was it that laid off 900 employees on Zoom? You heard about that? This was like last September, I think. Well, yeah, better.com. Yeah. If you go to my LinkedIn page, like, you know, me personally, like, I don't want anybody to lose their job. But I truly hope that that company shuts down. You know, their goal was to put mortgage companies out of business by losing money on every single loan they closed. They lost $380 million last year in one of the most profitable years the mortgage industry's ever had. So that means that their whole goal as a startup is to put me out of business. The most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host, Scott Peckford, on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey, Broker Nation. Scott Peckford here. It's in the show. I have Roger Moore. He's the founder of Loan Pronto. He's a mortgage broker based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. He's in the Scotsman's Guide last year. He did $136 million in volume, 426 loans. It was primarily refi, so he's had to make some adjustments and shifts to his business. 17 years in the business, started Loan Pronto in 2017 and did 1.4 billion in originations last year, which is massively impressive given he started from a cold start in 2017. And he uses a traditional marketing to get a lot of his business. So I think he had mentioned to me, he spent like 6 million on advertising last year. So a couple of takeaways from my conversation with Roger. First, why he calls his processors account managers. I happen to think this is actually brilliant. It's beyond just, it's not a marketing thing, but just the way he thinks. How he only hires people with no experience. So he hires people with no experience, read no bad habits and why for him this has worked much better. I mean, his results speak for themselves. I think his average originator, a lot of them are doing like 80, 90 million in production and list of things to look for when hiring. So when he told me that he only hires people with no experience, of course I had to ask the question, well, how do you find these people that come from another industry and become rock stars? And so he dives into that, which I think is extremely valuable and have a listen to this conversation. In today's Ask the Expert segment, I talked to Paul Campbell from Magenta about the new to Canada program that they have that's very unique and creative. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give a shout out to my title sponsor, Finmo. Finmo is a Canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform that is incredibly easy to use, easy for borrowers and also easy for brokers. It's got some cool features like smart docs. So as the client's filling out the application, it's already figuring out exactly what documents that you need. It's got smart submission notes. So when you get ready to submit that to a lender, it's actually pulling key data from the application and putting in the notes. And you may think, Scott, why do you need that? It's because every lender's underwriting platform is different. Finding the information in the application is always like all over the place. And so this way you have one place for your notes, which is awesome. It's connected to Lender Spotlight, which means you can search rates and guidelines. And it's just incredibly easy. Our brokers absolutely love it. And the best part is there's no subscription fee. Best next step would be to go to lendesk.com slash Finmo and book a free strategy session. And they'll show you how this can help you save tons of time. Check it out. Hey, Roger, welcome to the show. Hey, good to see you. Thanks for having me on here. So, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself and your business. Yeah, my name is Roger Moore. We're located here in Charlotte, North Carolina. I launched Loan Pronto in 2017. Me personally, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio area, went to school at Ohio University, here at college. A couple guys I knew were working in the mortgage business down here in Charlotte. Got my car, packed my bag, didn't have much. Moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina in July of 2003 and uh, been doing mortgages ever since. Loan Pronto is my second mortgage company I've launched by the mortgage company. I sold it back in 2017, lost Loan Pronto with the goal of, you know, you know, not trying to change the world, not trying to reinvent the wheel, but just trying to create a great place for my employees to work, a great place for customers to get loans, low rates, low fees, a great process, and really just try to make a place where my Employees love to work. I love to work. And I think if I do that, my clients will love to work with us. So 
Uh, we've been doing really great since then. We're about four and a half years old now. I think we're probably top 10 to 15 brokers in the nation right now, but we're looking to grow still and grow through this tough, challenging market. Right. Acquire market share during the challenging time. So you said that in 2003, you got into the mortgage business. So it was just some buddies that were doing it. And they're like, hey, this seems like a good thing to do. Well, what drove you into that? Great question. So 2003, that was you know, around the time when, you know, Boiler Room came out and, you know, it was a great movie. Loved it. I was a senior in college. I was walking down the street one day at high university. One of my fraternity brothers had this door open. His name was Matt. And he said, hey, man, I've got so-and-so on the line right now. He's working down in Charlotte. They're doing mortgages. He said, you should send his resume down. I was like, all right, whatever. And I already had a job in Chicago, but I started doing some research and realized that my fraternity brothers were driving Porsches and buying nice stuff. This was during the 2003 you know, mortgage boom when every 20-year-old that got into business was making a ton of money. I was a young, passionate guy who loved doing sales, you know, thought it kind of looked like the boiler room atmosphere, a bunch of young people making good money. Drove down there, interviewed, said on the spot, basically, the job's yours. I canceled my job in Chicago and packed my car up and haven't really looked back since. I've been in Charlotte since 2003 doing mortgages, and it all came about by me just uh, walking down the street one day and just walking by somebody's open door at the right time with the right opportunity. Right. And you touched on something there a couple minutes ago I want to ask about. You said that you'd sold your first mortgage company. So what was different about that company versus the one you started now? Because I've always thought about, like, you know, you always take your lessons. And So what were the things that you took from the previous company into the new one? I started that company when I was 26. I was young. I had no idea what I was doing. I made a million mistakes. I don't think I did three things right in the first five years. I had a business partner, too, who was my really good friend. You know, with anything, you know, when you have a business partner, you know, sometimes people want to go in different directions. I'm more of a balls-to-wall, high-growth, you know, high-energy type of guy. And, you know, I had a business partner who was a great partner, really good with it, but just probably didn't necessarily share the same vision in terms of really wanting to grow and scale up a lot. And again, you know, there's a case to be made that both work really well, and that company still does great nowadays, but my goal was to create a company that was going to scale up, get bigger, do more of a nationwide direct-to-consumer branding, and really grow over time to be one of the top five brokers in the nation. So I thought the only way I could possibly do that was to go on my own, and that's what I did. Right, and then scale it up. One of the things I noticed when I did some creeping on you, not in a weird way, was I went through your link tree on your Instagram, and then there's your whole start your home ownership journey. And it looks like a pretty slick... I don't know what you're using there for tech, but do you find customers like that as an entry point or how are customers typically, you know, going from, Hey, we've heard about loan pronto. Now we're working with you guys. What's that look like? Yeah. So we talked about this earlier. We do a ton of marketing across the nation. The primary goal is to get people to our website to create that initial digital journey. You know, we go in there, we get a little bit of information from them on our website. They get a live real time rate quote on any given day at any given time. And if they enjoy those customers, enjoy the digital experience, they'll go and apply online from there. And a lot of people prefer to do a lot digitally. Some people prefer to do a combination of digital and, you know, old school, talk on the phone, you know, like you would imagine back in the day. And, of course, there's some borrowers who don't want to do anything digitally. They want to call day, when do the application over the phone. No, they don't mind you emailing them, but when they need updates, they want things done via the phone or, you know, and sometimes even text message. But the vast majority of our current clients are getting very comfortable and very acclimated to dealing with us and collaborating with us on a digital basis. You on know, a digital I mean, platform, email. right? Yeah. They really and like and what tool are you finding where, is it your own personal tool that you guys have built? What are you guys finding works well for a good digital experience? I mean, there's lots of options out there, but I'm curious what you guys are. Uh, yeah. 
you know, when we first started our company, we thought, hey, what if we built everything in-house? You know, we could just – the entire platform be all loan pronto stuff, right? Kind of find out that's just really, really expensive. And people are like, <laughs> yeah, no, you want to burn a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, and you want to spend a million dollars very quickly. So what we've really done is we've cobbled together a bunch of different technologies to give our borrowers the look and feel of a truly – digital experience. Our website's all custom coded, but then, you know, we use simple Nexus for our POS. You know, we use DocuSign for signatures. Of course, as a broker, we're also a lender, but even as a lender, we're kind of a hybrid broker model. A lot of our lenders like UWM and Amerisave, you know, they're all very digitally focused. So generally speaking, you can give a client a look and feel of truly digital experience without having anything that you build on your own. Save your right. money, especially Yeah, save your time. And just focus on the marketing and the customer experience yeah. is where your yeah. energy should be spent. Okay, so diving the rest of your story, I love a success quote that's had an impact on your life or business. I love quotes. Do you have a quote that's really impacted you? Yeah, I say it's the risk of wrong decision is preferable to the terror of indecision. You know, Ooh, I like that. The, yeah, it's an analysis paralysis, right? Like you can't get perfect. And sometimes just being done is being better than being perfect especially when you're leading a team of people, you know, if you don't know where you're leading your people, they don't know where to go. And so I look at that quote all the time. I say, okay, even if I get this wrong, at least we know where we're going and we can adjust and fix it in the future. But I'm just sitting here with no idea what I'm going to do and no clear guidance for my company. Man, talk about scaring some people. Like during COVID, when COVID first hit, I mean, we did a really good job of just creating an exact idea of what we were going to do how we were going to do it, how we were going to get there. I bet we got, you know, you know, one out of three decisions wrong during that time, but just giving everybody in our company that clear, decisive roadmap of where we were going makes things so easy. So don't get lost in the sauce. Don't overanalyze. You're going to make mistakes, but just sometimes making that initial move is critical and important. Right. I read a study recently that was talked about the number one quality that people look for in leaders, and it used to be communication 20 years ago. We want leaders with good communication. Now we want leaders who are decisive. And I think it's because there's so much information. We are drowning in it. And we want somebody to say, hey, we're going in this direction. Even if it's not perfect. Even if it's, we'll figure it out as we go. And decisiveness is kind of what you're touching on here. So COVID happened. How have you applied that recently to the current you know, rate environment? I got to suspect that you've had to still be decisive and make decisions even in the midst of kind of things being a bit murky right now. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I think one decision we made quickly was we're not going to do anything knee-jerk, right? I think what happens when rates go up, when the market gets, you know, murky right now, or in fact, I think it's just really scary for a lot of people, right? I think what you see people do is just a lot of knee-jerk stuff. You know, I call it the flail, right? It's flailing. It's like when you don't know what to do, you just do everything. I hope that something works, right? It's like darts backwards, spaghetti against the wall, and maybe something sticks. But what we've done is just stuck with our process of what got us here. You know, we're not slashing our marketing budget. We're not firing a bunch of employees. We're just trying to stay steady and to the script that got us to this point today. And, you know, just my thing I think I've done really well is just been extremely honest and straightforward with my company. You know, I'm not out there banging my chest like nothing's wrong because the reality of the situation is everything's tough right now. Every mortgage company I know in America, any high-flying company, they're all struggling right now compared to what they were last year. And I think where the mistake can be made is not telling your employees the truth. Like, hey, it sucks right now. It really sucks right now. We just have to continue to survive, advance, and you know, try to get market share during this time until things kind of settle down and 
And so I think that's what we've done really well, right? Just stay the course, no knee-jerk reactions, don't flail, be honest with your employees. And I think because of that, I think we've done really well, comparatively speaking, to the industry right now. Right. What company was it that laid off 900 employees on Zoom? Did you hear about that? This was like last September, I think. Well, yeah, better.com. Yeah. If you go to my LinkedIn page, I, you know, me personally, like, I don't want anybody to lose their job. I truly hope that that company shuts down. You know, their goal was to put mortgage companies out of business by losing money on every single loan they closed. They lost $380 million last year in one of the most profitable years the mortgage industry's ever had. So that means that their whole goal as a startup is to put me out of business. So yeah, I mean, companies like that, you know, that's the good thing about right now with rates going up is there is a natural cleansing going on where a lot of these players in that were just only good at one thing are going to be exiting the industry or very much scaling down. And that's healthy for the industry. We need that right now. And so that's, if they couldn't make money last year, then you're right. There is a problem. Well, they lost money in Q1 of 2021, right? I mean, literally, you know, you could pull a monkey off the street and give a mortgage license. You would have made a couple hundred grand that quarter. And they lost, you know, 80, 100 million. You can't make money then. I mean, you, you're just not able to make money. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't understand that. I mean, I know that there's some businesses built that way. I just can't wrap my head around it. I'm just like, I know that it can work, but man, it's risky. And typically those guys are also playing with other people's money. Like it's easy to play that game. You're basically at the casino, you're gambling and you're using somebody else's chips. Like, you know, and if it doesn't work, you walk away. And so, I don't know. I don't think it's as honorable as building something from the ground up. And it's not. Well, it's the WeWork, Uber, Lyft model where you lose money until your competition can't beat you or they're out of business and then you hope you can raise margin. The difference in the mortgage industry is it is a well-established, mature industry with a lot of big players in it, you know, Quicken, UWM, Wells, Chase. Like You can't outlast those companies by losing money. So I think that's where the major misstep was there, or that the gamble was, is that I don't think they realized how well-established the industry was. And that it's hard to put Quicken out of business, you know? It's hard to put Chase or Wells out of business. I think that was where the miscalculation came in. Right, right. Okay. Let me ask you about failure. So failure is obviously something that happens. You run a business. Can you share something you failed at, but now looking back, there was a lesson in it? Oh, man. Do we have enough time to do this? <laughs> yeah, um, we could do a whole show on this. But what's one <laughs> Yeah, one that was particularly well, you know, poignant? First of all, I'm not really afraid to fail. That's one good thing about me. Back in early 19, you know, we wanted to grow our purchase business. I was trying to launch a sister company, a real estate company called Home Pronto. So what we do, we just home and fill a loan. We're going to do the real estate industry. And my goal was was to, you know, create a real estate company that got paid upon the work that they did for a client versus that flat three percent commission, which is pretty standard here in North Carolina, or really all the United States, something about Canada. My theory was that you know, if you did a tiered system based upon how many houses you showed a client, that client would be incentivized to look at less houses. You know, they would get a lower commission structure. And then ultimately, because we could offer a lower commission structure with the same process, you know, a lot of that business will come into loan pronto, right? I still think it's a phenomenal idea. You know, with anything, finding the right people to run a business can be really, really, really tough, you know? And I think where I miscalculated was how hard it would be to find a group of agents, brokers in charge, and really try to get the thing off the ground. So we got it off the ground. We did a little bit of business, but it was just became increasingly hard. And all of a sudden, the rates started plummeting. And so I made a decision pretty quickly, like, hey, I can't run a real estate company if I don't have the talent. And with the real estate and the mortgage market, you know, doing what it's doing right now, I can't step over dollars to pick up pennies. So we started it quickly and we closed it quickly. And you know, I think I failed in doing that, but I learned a lot from it. I think what I really learned was find out what you're really damn good at and do that. <laughs> and do yeah, it really stick well. To the, stay, yeah, stay, stick to that. Stick to the plan, stay laser focused. 
that's it. I lost some money in it, but I learned a lot and it's okay. It's a yeah. move off in a room. Move on. Right. Okay. So what's the single biggest change you made to your business in the last 12 months? We haven't made a lot of changes. We've been very disciplined. I said the change we've made was not making a ton of changes. That probably doesn't make any sense, but where I'm going with this is if you look back at 2021, there was the anticipation by most people in the mortgage industry that the low rates were just going to keep going for a long time. And what you saw was a lot of companies just ramp up like crazy. I know some people went from 100 to 600 LOs in a matter of five or seven months. And I think that change those companies made felt right at the time because, you know, you want to grow, you want to expand, you want to scale up as much as possible. But about a year ago in February, when you saw that rate spike around February 14th, and I just saw some writing on the wall. I was like, man, so we've got to anticipate, you know, rates going up in the next 12 months. So what we did, we did two things back in February, March of 2021, I think really put us on a good path. One, we started moving our advertising from strictly like rate term to cash out debt consolidation, right? That wasn't as popular back in February, March of 2021. Everybody was still doing just a straight rate drops. Mm-hmm. And so now that rates went up, we have 14, we're 15 months into being a heavy cash out debt consolidation and home improvement advertising. That was a huge change for us. That was a big thing. And then second is we focus primarily on increasing efficiency versus adding employees. So we only added eight employees last year, but we went from 720 million to 1.4 billion. So we nearly doubled our revenue and our volume and only added 20% to our work staff. So just kind of making some intelligent moves with marketing while not over hiring puts us in a position right now where we're doing pretty well and we don't have to fire people. I always love to get like, you know, tactical on this an example of something that you did that made you more efficient that allowed you to, you know, that's a big jump in loan count. And unless everybody worked 80 hours a week, like what was something specifically you did that helped? All those dominant operations. Side, right. So, you know, we started in 2017, 2018 was kind of a bum year. If you ever remember, that was a rough year. 19 was pretty good. And it was off to the noon from there. So, you know, we tripled in size in 2020. And then, but when you realizing in doing that, that we hadn't created our processes, our procedures, training. We didn't always hire the perfect person. So starting in early 20, early 21, we created a team structure where we had team leaders and managers. We created a more concise training structure. We invested in better technology for our operations staff and really just hired like assistants to our processors, you know, that could do the little small things like title, order appraisals, DOEs, all that little stuff. We call them account managers, but most people call them processors. That way they could just do nothing but get loans in and get loans out and close them as quickly as possible. So a lot of it was just more training, adding more help, and then some technology changes. Right. I noticed when I was on your Instagram, like you'd always celebrate your account managers, process processors, and like one of them had 47 loans in a month or something, which is a pretty high number for one account manager. So is that what you're saying? You've been able to get those account managers to be more effective that was one of the goals of last year yeah that's what it was i mean at our peak there you know when we were peak 2021 we were doing 570 loans a month with 12 account managers so our average was doing almost 50 a month um mm-hmm. our tops were doing in the mid to high 50s so yeah we just created a system then where they don't do any of the small stuff all they do is get the loan in submit it process it get out the door from there so yeah that was the thing it's really if you have a car, that's your engine, right? Your processors are the most important people in your company. 
that may be a controversial statement to say, but I don't care how good your LOs are. If you have a bottleneck of processing, they're either going to leave or not going to close the main deal. So we have a certain type of person we hire, and then we put them in a position where all they need to do is take picture stuff and they can close the make, make the big decisions. And so, okay, I got one last question. So why do you call them account managers? Like this is a specific language, but I'm curious why you do it. So there's a few reasons. When I was starting my company in 2017, I was starting it. I didn't have my website yet. I didn't have my licensing yet. I was just like literally getting started in August of 2017. And I had a few reasons I did it. One was I knew the first person I needed to hire was going to be a processor. So I didn't think anybody was going to respond to a job ad for a processor of a company that didn't hardly even exist yet. An account manager. Actually, I owned a recruiting us, company right? for a while. Yeah, I owned a recruiting company for a while too. I have a pretty good background in recruiting. And so I was like, I need to create a position that's going to be more appealing because one thing we don't really do here is we rarely hire somebody with mortgage experience. I don't have one processor right now that came from a mortgage company and we do that on purpose. And so I know that people like the word account manager and I know that the word processor doesn't get a lot of job submissions. That was one reason. The second reason was one of my big hypotheses is when I started the company was that I could build a sales staff to training processors versus getting experienced LOs. And I thought the account manager would bring in people that had a little bit more of a sales acumen, and then I could convert most of those people to loan officers, which if you look at my sales staff out there, I have one, two, three, I've got four or five hundred million dollar producers out there that were account managers when they first started here. That was two of the primary reasons, you know, easier to hire people. You get people that have more sales acumen. And third was, I owned a recruiting company a while, I knew that people, you know, recruiters, they look up the word processor. So when they're recruiting my employees, they're not going to know that we have account managers. We don't have any processors here. So they're probably a little harder to recruit if you're looking on LinkedIn recruiter account. Well, if they're so, listening to this now, just a, disregard that part. <laughs> we, you're not, yeah. Everybody, I mean, we're pretty well known at this point in time. Everybody knows who we are. What most people do. But yeah, that was the main reason. Finding the right employees. You know, starting up my company, I just needed to find this right employee. I didn't think I could do it if I was advertising for a processor. Okay. I think, yeah. So you're a marketer as well. So I mean, in a way that job title is a marketing play in terms of tracking. So you said you had a recruiting company and you didn't hire people with previous experience. So somebody's looking for an account manager processor type role. What are the things that you're like, this is somebody that checks the boxes for me. I'm curious. Okay. Their closet is probably organized by season, color, sleeve length, right? They're extremely, extremely What's the word I'm looking for? I'm drawing a blank here. Organized. <laughs> yeah, like organized, like almost to an anal retentive perspective, right? They are also usually really good salespeople because at the end of the day, if you want to have LOs closing a lot of deals, your account managers need to be able to also help you sell the deals with the clients that are in process, right? So they need mm-hmm. to be great on the phone, written, verbal, needs to be spectacular. They also need to be fast, you know? The multitasking thing, I guess people think that you can't really do two things well at once, but I think you probably can. They need to be fast, they need to multitask, they need to be extremely passionate and pretty competitive. We generally, like my top account managers out here, one of them, she was a teacher last year. You know, she's an absolute rock star. One girl worked in logistics, another one worked in retail. So we don't really care where they came from as long as they're passionate, hungry, organized, well-spoken, well-written, and ultimately probably pretty good at sales as well. Right. Okay. That's interesting. All right. So I asked you some rapid fire questions. You can answer these the shorter answers if you like. So what's one thing people can't find out of you from Google? I love to cook. You love to cook? Oh, nice. My wife keeps sourdough baking online, actually. 
Um, yeah. Like, I can cook almost anything. I'm randomly really good at cooking. I didn't love mortgages. But if there's more money in restaurants, I might get into it, but I never will. You ever heard the joke, you know how to make a small fortune? Start with a large fortune and get into the restaurant business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't invest in restaurants or gyms. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So what's a movie everybody should watch at least once? I already mentioned earlier, but I got three here. Wall Street, Wolf Wall Street, Boiler Room. Those are three movies I just love to watch. I know it's probably a little bit cliche, but if you take out the illegal illicit activities that the guys do in there or that people do, really what you see is how much like unbridled passion and relentless drive and entrepreneurial spirit can catapult you to the moon. The problem is people in these movies got there then they just wanted too much. But really if you look at the core of what, you know, you know Jordan Belfort, those guys did is they started with nothing and created something awesome. If they would just did it in a legal way, they probably would have been not as infamous and more famous. But I love those three movies. I watch them all right, the time. Right, right. That's good. What's a software program or digital tool you can't run your business without? We use it all day. It's a way that we can collaborate as a company. It's also a way that we can kind of keep our culture going really well. We have a lot of fun on teams. It's a great place to collaborate, to pass ideas around, to talk, and also just kind of have fun and make people laugh and have a good time. What do you think is going to happen with rates in the next 12 months? In fact, right now we're probably in the mid-fives on a 30-year fix, 20% down, no more credit. If I had to guess... They go up a little bit more. I think we drop quite a bit somewhere in the mid fours. I think we kind of stop there. I think that becomes a new normal sometime in the next 12 months. Right. So remember the movie Back to the Future, the DeLorean, the car travels in time. So if I could put you in that, send you back to your first, you know, let's go back actually to 2017 because that's more interesting. If I could send you back to 2017 before you started Loan Pronto and you could give yourself some advice, what would you say to yourself? I would have definitely focused more on building our purchase referral business a lot more back then. We did some, but we definitely didn't dedicate the time and energy to it. And we're feeling some of the pains about now as we try to catch up and get more down that road. I think I personally would have done a lot more on social media myself. You know, we started off pretty early doing quite a bit of stuff on social media, but I think in hindsight, I probably would have done a lot more on social media because it does pay dividends. I don't care what anybody says. If you have a consistent message on social media, you will get business from it. LinkedIn, whatever it may be, Facebook, Mm -hmm. Instagram, TikTok. And one thing I didn't do a lot back then, but I've really started doing recently, especially the UWM, I'm one of their top 10 brokers, so I'm part of their masterminds group. So any top broker in the United States that works in UWM, like at this point in time, I know them pretty well. You know, in the beginning of this company, especially when I got in my industry early days, you know, I looked at everybody as competition. And you kind of find out, you know, they are your competition, but your competition can also be what you do as a company and help you out a lot. And kind of find out when I started doing all these things with these masterminds, it's been so valuable to me. And these guys, I used to look at as competition. I look at as friends and we bounce ideas off each other and kind of find out like you don't really run into them a whole lot. So there's a lot of value in helping people. And then it comes back to you. So I wish I wouldn't have been so stubborn about like acting like I had some secret sauce, you know? Right, right. Because um, you take your secret bit, sauce and theirs, and then you're going to come up with something new anyway. You're a creative guy. So, people, and then right now with rates kind of, you know, the market's in flux and turmoil, like, you know, I'm a solo owner. Like, I don't have a business partner. Well, I have a great employees, but, you know, very few of them understand, you know, what it's like to be a solo owner in a market like this. It's been really great to go call some of these guys and girls and say, hey, how are things going? What are you guys doing right now? What are your struggles? You know, and sometimes it's just good to hear somebody else is going through what you're going through, and that's, sympathetic and empathetic to your current situation. So I would recommend that industry meet your competition. They're going to be valuable to you. They're not really your competition. There's a big pie out there. There's plenty for everybody. Collaboration over competition. It's like there's more opportunity there. Okay. So last thing. So if there's a loan officer listening to this or mortgage person, and they're like, Hey, you guys sound cool. 
and like, who would you be looking for? Uh, we're always looking for talented, hungry people, you know, primarily right now. And we actually try to grow more into, you know, we do really well in consumer direct. We're also trying to build out a referral based network as well. You know, any LO that has a book of business that generates more than probably, you know, two to four million per month range, that's somebody we would love to talk to. We're somewhat agnostic on what markets are in. We're licensed in 21 states. You know, any big city you can think of besides New York, we're in it. We're not afraid to do some sort of branch model type of scenario. But yeah, anybody who has a referral base that's looking for, you know, a company that has great technology, phenomenal processing. We're a lender and a broker, so we can do both models. Yeah, those are the kind of people we'd love to talk to. Right. Awesome. Well, hey, Roger, great to chat with you, man. Get to know you a little bit. Thanks for spending some time with me. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks again for having to listen to that conversation with Roger. I know I'm always intrigued when somebody builds a massive business in a short period of time and focuses on something what I think is unique in that they hire people and train them up from the ground up. I think it's brilliant. You can build a ton of loyalty and you can train them the way that you want them to treat their clients. So I think a tip to Roger for that. If you're listening to this and you're like, hey, Scott, I'd like to get my mortgage business going. We have a program called 10 Loans a Month Academy. Go check out 10loansamonth.com. We've got some amazing coaches there. It only opens a few times a year. Go check it out and you can see if it's open now or when it's opening again. And check out this conversation with Paul. Hey, Paul, welcome to Ask the Experts. Hey, how's it going, Scott? Good to be back. Yeah, it's awesome here. You guys are doing amazing and keeping busy with funding lots of mortgages. And so the topic we're going to talk about today is new to Canada, which can be challenging for people to get mortgages. There's definitely less options, but you guys have some pretty cool scenarios and options for them. So tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, our new to Canada product is as such that, you know, we thought it was time. It's definitely needed within our marketplace. The government is definitely alluding to a high focus on immigration, especially to Canada. And with that said, we really wanted to kind of be if not the leaders, at least in the conversation as a lender that's, you know, coming up with solutions to kind of help people who are getting settled into our country with options to enjoy the dream of home purchase. Right. Is this a new product then that you guys have come up with or rolled out recently? You know what? It's a product that we've had, but we've recently tweaked it and we've tweaked it in such a fashion that we want to make it something that is definitely user-friendly. When I talk about this product, you know, we're looking at different options for the client. So, you know, flexible income, no Canadian credit required, just a lot of different things that we could yeah, do. Okay, give me the scenario. So give me an example. Maybe I always like to think about in terms of case studies or examples. So someone who is residing here in Canada, you know, doesn't have anything in really happening for them just as of yet, because they are new to the country. And, you know, what we're looking at for them is we can do something as simple as a full doc or stated income program up to 70% LTV, or we can look at a no doc or a low doc option for them up to 65% LTV, no Canadian credit history required. You know, we'll go up to 50 years with advertisation or interest only payments for the client. And I think more so when we're looking at creativity or flexibility, if that individual is started a job recently within a week, we can condition for something as little as a LOE and use that income towards getting them qualified. So that's the type of flexibility and creativity that I'm referencing when I say Magenta has really kind of stepped up to the plate and really are looking at different options to provide the dream of home ownership to Canadians. Right. So, okay, explain to me again, like what's no doc, low doc, what would that look like? So what would you typically need if somebody is like, hey, I'm new to Canada, I don't have established credit yet, but I got a down payment from 
you know, my previous country or whatever. Yeah. How would that work? What kind of documents are you looking for? So on a no doc versus low doc, fairly simple. The two are pretty close. No doc, as I've mentioned before, is the product where as advertised, no income verification is required. That's where the no doc terminology comes from. And with the low doc terminology, what we're looking for is most recent notice of assessment confirming no taxes owing. All right. So can you tell me the difference between the no doc and the low doc when it comes to rates and fees? And obviously little asterisks here for you guys listening, obviously rates can change, but just so they have a sense of what they're at today. Yeah, absolutely. So at 65% LTV, when we're looking at the rates, you're looking at a rate of 649 and 649 carries through all the way up to 80% LTV. Okay. Low doc for the fee on the low doc, you're looking at 3%. And for a pure no doc, starting fee would be at three and a half percent. Okay. So basically the real difference is in the fee. Correct. And then you mentioned something about open. If somebody is shorter term, how's the rate change or fee structure change if somebody needs open? So if it's an open term, we add 50 basis points to the base fee. So in this case, as I mentioned, the base fee being 649 with 50 basis points being added, they can go into an open term starting at 699. Okay. Awesome. And then the 649, obviously, if they could fully qualify income-wise. And so what kind of income would you accept for a new to Canada that probably wouldn't fit within the prime space? But that would be something that they walked into the regular bank, and be like, oh, we can't do that, but you guys would look at and give them credit for. Well, definitely if it's recent employment, so someone starting a job, like as I mentioned, within a week, we will entertain that employment, providing they can provide us with letter of employment to verify that. Also, if they're in roles or jobs where it's a cash component, so they could be a server, it could be a bartender, we'll take that into account as well. We really try to differentiate ourselves by having various tiers for income verification so that depending upon what your profession is within life, we're able to kind of tailor the mortgage to suit that. Right. That's amazing. Okay. I totally agree with you. I think that this particular product, I believe immigration, we need more people are having less kids. This is one of the things that's interesting in demographics, people are having less kids. And so immigration will help the country grow. And so it's great that you guys have a product that can help support that. So I think it's cool. Anything else about this particular product that you think people need to know? You know what, I think it's really just wrapping our minds around the creativity that's required to make products like this happen. You know, we kind of have it tagged as fast and flexible. And that's exactly what it is. We have an outstanding credit team here at Magenta. And I mean, nothing's off the table. If you have a scenario that you feel warrants it being reviewed by Magenta, definitely pick up the phone, get in contact with your internal account manager, send an email or reach out to myself. We'd love to hear from you just so we can have the conversation. And, you know, Scott, I often think of these things like a Rubik's cube. There's definitely a solution to it. It's just really taking the time to kind of put the pieces of the puzzle in place. So take the stickers yeah. off and put them on the right spot. That's how I solved it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that works too. That works I'm too. Kidding. But I got one of those, those 13. I solved one side. I can still do one side, but I can't do more. And my daughter got one recently, a couple of years ago. She came home. She goes, Hey, I'm going to learn how to do this. <laughs> sure you are. Like within the weekend, she had figured it out, but she just went on YouTube and she's like, dad, there's an algorithm. I'm like, what? There's an algorithm. She's yeah, you just have to solve it. And then the interesting thing about the Rubik's Cube, sorry you bring this up, you got me on this topic, but <laughs> is you actually solve it from the bottom up. So you solve one color and you actually solve row by row by row on the way up. You don't solve it side by side. And so oh. I was trying to solve it side by side. And when I did, I would always unsolve the opposite side. And so I did not know this. And so this is just how life is. A lot of things are counterintuitive. And when it comes to 
you know, your guys' products, I think that you guys have figured out some ways to solve problems for people that you have an algorithm, a solution that they can use. So I think that's pretty cool. So if anybody's listening yeah. to this, I mean, this is just one of the creative solutions that you guys provide. I mean, this is what I love talking to you. I learned stuff. I'm writing notes. I'm like, oh, I didn't know this. I didn't know you could do that. So if you're listening to this, reach out to Paul and his team, broker at magentainvestment.ca, and it can help you with that, you know, unusual file, tricky file. They're fantastic. And kudos to your guys' continued growth. Thank you, Scott. Hey, thanks again for listening to this conversation with Roger, as well as Paul. Hopefully you got a couple of nuggets that help you in your business. If you want to really up-level your business, I encourage you to go check out ilovemortgagebrokering.com. We have a free power search tool, allows you to keyword search all past episodes and literally jump right to the moment somebody says script or first-time buyer or financial advisor or realtor. And then you can scan the hundreds of episodes there to find all of the nuggets to help you grow your business. Go check that out. It's totally free. And thanks again for listening to this episode. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production.